eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And this week, we actually have a very special guest. We don't typically get to have guests on. Perry and I were talking last week about how we need to have more guests on the show. And then lo and behold, we found a guest for this week, somebody that I am very familiar with co-hosting. His name is Andrew Mertig, and you may be familiar with his work from the Pack a Day podcast founded by the podfather, Andy Herman. Um, And if you've seen somebody with a Pack a Day tattoo on Twitter, that is... Andrew Mertig. So you've seen Andrew's arm probably somewhere on the internet. So that's fun, Andrew. How are you? Thanks for coming on the show. That's a very strange way to introduce me, but I am. <laughs> I feel like I feel like special guest is a little overselling what I bring to the table. But I am super excited to be here. I I really love what both of you are doing. Uh, Pax, what she said is amazing content. Uh, Maggie has to put up with me normally, so I'm I'm always a little shocked that she wants to spend any extra time. But yeah, just just super, super honored to be here. Yeah, well, thanks so much for joining us. We know that you are a huge draft person. And with the draft being, I think, what, eight, nine days away officially now, uh, we wanted to have you on the show to talk about some of your favorite prospects. But before we maybe dive into your favorite players and best fits for the Packers, can you give us a little bit of background as to maybe like how you got started or so invested in the draft and because you create your own big board, which I think is awesome. And we'll get to that too, but what kind of turned this from a hobby watching and evaluating players to creating your own big board? Yeah, it's a, it's a really weird story. Um, incredibly nerdy. Of course, I think as most of our origin stories are and how we get really obsessed with a sports team, But for me, I remember as a seven, eight year old, like back when I was growing up, you couldn't just like go to Twitter and find out a bunch of information about your favorite draft prospect, right? Like you would be very fortunate if 
maybe the newspaper would publish a mock draft, like a first round mock draft of all of the teams the day before the NFL draft. That was like the content you got. So you kind of dreamed of these college players. Sometimes they weren't really good pro prospects. Charlie Ward was like my favorite uh, Florida State quarterback, went on to play for the New York Knicks, thought the Packers should draft him at quarterback. He goes undrafted, right? Like you just didn't know the ins and outs of the draft back then. Then as I got a little older, maybe I would, you know, bribe my parents into like, you know, I would behave myself if they would bribe me with like a draft guide from the grocery <laughs> store or something. Um, so I got a little bit more content that way. And then with the onset of the internet, you know, more and more mock drafts started popping up and it, it just became something that I was really obsessed with. My brother would make fun of me because like when we would get the new copy of Madden, I would just like simulate the seasons just so I could do the draft. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was just always something that I was like very invested in, very interested in. And the, the more that I've gotten into it, the more access I've gotten to, you know, some non like, like highlight film, that's not just highlights, right? Like actual, um, player films, some all 22 stuff and starting to understand what we're looking for. And I, 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 I don't necessarily look at the draft from only a Packers perspective. I like to understand like what players are going to be good so that I can understand the landscape of the rest of the league. And um, yeah, it, it's just, it's always been a, this weird obsession of mine. And now as the draft industrial complex, as Mr. Nagler likes to say, has become more and more out of control. Um, I'm, you know, really happy to be riding that wave with all the rest of us. That's awesome. I didn't realize that it was something that had gone so far back because I know like for Perry and I and Perry, I don't want to speak for you or anything, but our, you know, investment in the draft kind of got more and more involved as we started doing more and more podcasting. Like I always followed it, you know, I'd watch it with my dad or watch it with my family, but I didn't really like dive too deeply into prospects until I was like, Hey, I actually have to talk about this <laughs> pretty extensively for the podcast that I'm doing. So that was, that was always kind of cool. But um, can you tell us about like your big board and what what that process is like? Are there positions that are easier to evaluate, positions that are really tough to evaluate, and kind of what goes into that? Yeah, well, and and so going back even six years ago, I would sort of watch maybe twenty five to thirty prospects, try to understand like who the top of the draft is, and then after that, I might have some crushes from guys that I saw in in college or um, some players that I heard really good things about. But then, COVID year, I had nothing to do. Right, like so, twenty twenty hits. I'm sitting there in the months leading up to the draft all alone, nothing to do. So I was like, you know what would be really cool. I've always wanted to start grading players, like just putting a number to what I think the prospect is. So I developed this Excel spreadsheet as I'm apt to do, and then started working with some formulas. So one is I wanted to put forward an actual draft grade one to 100 for every prospect that I did. There are different categories depending on the position. And then at the end of that, I want to take that draft grade and then add in some athletic testing, add in um, some some uh, a formula that really gives value to the younger prospects versus the older ones. Um, and then also factors in positional value. 
So I came up with this. I've tweaked it every single year. Um, but I think back in 2020, I probably aimed for like 150, 200 prospects. Um, the year after I got really, really bored and I started early um, and I think I hit 250. I will never do that again because it's just like running yourself into the ground. But it, it's something that I have a lot of passion about. So if I can start in January, that gives me like maybe doing a couple prospects a day on average. And then by the time we roll around to April, I can I can start, you know, throwing things into the spreadsheet and getting some numbers. And, and that part has gotten me excited because now I have a sort of a history. I can go back to 2020 and compare where prospects ranked then through now um, and, and start to see like how guys would rank historically and then start to figure out like what are the ones that I whiffed on big time? And then what are some prospects that maybe I had a little bit higher that turned out really good? And then sort of, you know, feed that into the formula and make adjustments as I go. Any ones in particular come out from the past few drafts that you're very proud of? You got so, spot on. Yeah, the, way before, like, I started doing the whole formula and stuff. I, like, I remember everybody was kind of like mediocre on DK Metcalf. And I had him as my number five overall player. And obviously him sliding way down deep into the second round was a little disappointing but then to see like how his career has turned out really kind of justified that like hey I saw something there and that always like I always have this philosophy like tell me what somebody can do don't tell me what mm -hmm. they can do yes there are limitations on certain prospects right DK Metcalf he's never going to be an agile like guy that's gonna run out of the slot and do quick twitch moves over the middle but he has this like super elite skill set in straight line speed and athleticism, high pointing the ball. And so like, that's why there's some prospects I will be way higher on than other people. Tariq Woolen is one that I'm particularly proud of last year. I had him raked as like my 35th overall prospect. Obviously he slides into the draft and then has a super rookie year. Um, it was a defensive rookie of the year candidate. So, you know, it's, it's those kind of things that you, you look back on finally, and then, you know, you get to kind of sort through the spreadsheet and uh, laugh at yourself a little bit of like, whoa, what was I thinking here uh, with certain other players? So on that note, then, do you have any players that are like going into this draft, maybe some of your favorite fits for the Packers or players just that you think you, you know what, actually let's talk about, Dan let's talk about Jalen Hyatt. Because Perry loves Jalen Hyatt, and you brought out the hottest of hot takes regarding wide receivers on last week's Pack-A-Day. So for the, the Packs of Chisa listeners that didn't maybe hear this hot take, I want to talk about Jalen Hyatt before we dive into other prospects that you love. Wait, I'm yeah, excited. I, yeah, Perry and, I, Perry and I might be on the same page. I have Jalen Hyatt as my wide receiver one. Uh, really? Which is terrifying. Um, I don't wow. think he I don't necessarily think he should be the first wide receiver picked. I don't think the Packers should touch him at 15, but if they could either trade down and get him in the twenties, or if he slides into the second round, maybe he's a little bit of a trade up candidate. Maybe, maybe he does slide to 42 or 45, depending on where they're actually picking. Um, I really love Hyatt as what I was just talking about with DK Metcalf. Tell me what you can do. Don't tell me what you can't. There are limitations of what Jayla Hyatt is going to bring you from day one, right? Like he's not a super refined route runner, but he's super fast. He has good hands. Um, I, you know, I, that elite speed is something that I have been hungering for with the Green Bay Packers for a while. 
Mm-hmm. And Hyatt's a good example. Like his film grade is not as good as the other wide receivers. But when I put him into the algorithm, it tells me he's wide receiver one because he's young. He's super athletic. Wide receiver is is worth a, you know a couple of points in the formula. And so he came out as my 15th overall prospect. I know that's too high for where he's actually going to get drafted. But like it's it's telling me the things that you value are things that Jalen Hyatt does really well. And so you should like him more as a prospect. So, um, yeah, really big fan of Hyatt. Perry so and even, even with his size and the Tennessee offense being what the Tennessee offense was, <laughs> you still – like, I'm curious what, you, what your algorithm, like, weighs out, right? Because you can look at Jalen Hyatt – if you go by RAS and he has an elite RAS score, even though he has a poor, you know, height and weight, right. His athleticism just totally outweighs the fact that he leans a little bit smaller, which is kind of just a pattern with a lot of the, not even receivers, just players in this draft. But like, do you take that into consideration too, when you're looking at prospects? Yeah. So I can tell you specifically, this is like the ultimate peak behind the curtain. So Jalen Hyatt got an 82 film grade out of a hundred. He got docked heavy on route running. Like he had a 20 out of 30 on route running. That's not good. Um, It'll suffice. There are some players that end up worse than that, but it was like, he wasn't asked to do enough. So we just don't know. And that mystery leads me to, to dock him on some points, but I gave him perfect scores on speed and acceleration, which doesn't happen. I just thought like, these are elite traits and then contested catching. I give him 11 out of 15, just, because like the diminutive size makes that a little bit better. I, I thought he was a really good contested catcher. It's just that, you know, he's not going to Quinton Johnston defensive backs, yeah. right? Like he's not just going to physically impose himself in, in that. And then run after catch, I gave him an 18 out of 20. Uh, and blocking, I gave him a three. Now three might be a little generous. It's, it's out of five uh, because he's not a particularly effective blocker, but what I, I I will always give a player a three if they try. And Jalen Hyatt <laughs> tries. Because sometimes you just simply like get effort. in the way of the cornerback. You don't need to deplete them. Maybe you even get pushed over, but you take them out of the play. Um, so that left him with a film grade of 82, which is not as good as Jordan Addison. It's not as good as Jackson Smith and Jigba. But then once I calculate the, the formula, let me just find him on my spreadsheet here. So he's 21. And so the way my formula works is you basically get a bonus point for being under 22. If you're 22, you get a zero. If you're 21, you get a one, you know, and every once in a while we have a 20 year old and that really helps them out. Um, and then it takes in their RAS score and factors that in. And then also their positional value. And then that just spits out a total number. And that's, that's how I go through my chart. That is fascinating. Is your positional value equivalent to what you would say is like a league standard or is it like how you value players it, yes and yes <laughs> uh it so okay i can tell you this in fact quarterback is plus four that's like by far the most so sometimes i end up with like bad quarterbacks who test really well that end up like way too high on my board that that's un- one of the unfortunate side effects of this um so quarterback is plus four tackle is plus two edges plus two so those are what i would consider the premium positions wide receiver is plus one and cornerback is plus one 
So it used to be that wide receiver was a zero. And what I saw was trends in the league starting to shift towards valuing wide receivers a little bit more. So I gave them a little bit of a boost. Then Why I said, is cornerback only plus one and not plus two? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I, I felt like edge and tackle are slightly more premium positions than corner. Um, and it's interesting because while we were waiting for Maggie to come back from her her leave on Pack-A-Day, <laughs> Kyle and I did a breakdown of all of the all pros over the last 10 years in, in the NFL. And what we found was there's a lot of all pro cornerbacks that weren't necessarily picked in the first round. Like it's still heavily leaning towards first round picks, but it's not as extreme as tackle and edge. And part of that might be that slot corners are sometimes considered for all pros and they typically get drafted later. Um, but I just, I didn't feel like the pull was quite as heavy towards, towards corners really early. Now that's interesting because both Christian Gonzalez and Joey Porter jr. This year are in my top six. So they like, it's still pretty easy for corners to overcome that. Um, and I still would consider that a, a relatively premium position. Um, and kind of the net neutral position is defensive line for me. The ones that go a little negative are tight end linebacker safety. And then running back I has have as a negative too. That makes sense. I wonder what Jair would score out for you on your, in your uh, algorithm. Not as good as he should have. Uh, the, I, that So the year Jair was drafted, I was writing for Packers Talk, and I was helping put together the the um, Packers draft pick profile. So as they, they were picked, we, we had like five different people working, and we would throw out a, a full draft profile like a few minutes after the pick was made. And I remember uh, writing a draft profile for Harold Landry, because we thought that's where they were going to go. And then Derwin James, because we thought that's where they were going to go. And then when they finally went to Jair, I was like a little like disappointed. I, I miscalculated him um, back then because I didn't think he was as aggressive and physical as he really was. I think I watched the wrong tape. I was going to say, I feel like that's what I picked up on when I watched him that before that draft season but it's just interesting right because it just proves that like there are probably a number of different ways you can go about grading draft prospects and we see like experts across the league do it too but it's not an exact science right like these are human beings and you just never know about how they're going to turn out in the league and I think especially part of that is where they land right they they land in a place that's just like the perfect fit for them the team picks well then they could have a much better, longer couple of seasons, more career than if they just happen to go to a team that doesn't like utilize them properly. Absolutely. This, this is a side track here, but <laughs> if you love Jair, which I think all of us do as Packers fans, go watch Clark Phillips, the third from Utah. Okay. Well, <laughs> just with the expectation that he is basically Jair jr. So do you not see a little Jair and Christian Gonzalez? Christian Gonzalez is like bigger, but yeah. 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 I mean, Christian Gonzalez to me is like amazing. And I don't want the Packers to take a cornerback in the first round, but if it's Christian Gonzalez, I'll make an exception. I think that's how we all feel. He's that good. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you talked about how you have, you know, Gonzalez and Porter in your your top six. You don't have to give away the top 10, the top 15, but are there any players that you, like, you would run that card up as pick 15? Like, who's your ideal scenario? Or, you know, I guess wherever they pick in the first round, if they happen to trade up or if they trade back into the 20s, like, give us a couple of your favorite prospects and how they fit. Yeah, oh, that that's interesting. So I'll, I'll I'll first give you a couple prospects, and I'm going to tell you my philosophy at 15. I really really love Broderick Jones. He's my third overall player. I know I'm way higher on him than anybody else. Um, I would absolutely love him there. I know the Packers are in a weird situation because we don't know if they view David Bakhtiari as a long term solution or sort of like he's just on the roster for this year. We also don't know what the future holds for Yash or if Zach Tom is considered an interior offensive lineman, a tackle, if they're going to continue to kind of flex them like they do with Elton. I, I don't know. Um, but I would love Broderick Jones, even though I think a decent amount of, of the Packers fan base would probably be like meh or disappointed with, with an offensive tackle at this point. Um, I really love Miles Murphy. I have him rated really high and, and I would, I would like that a fair amount as a, a another pretty realistic pick at 15. Like we never know. Somebody may slide in, in the draft that we're totally not expecting. I just think 15 is a really bad place to be picking this year. Right. And so if you use any of the mock draft tools, I think a lot of people are running into the same thing that, that I've been seeing. Um, I try not to get into the mock drafts until like this time. And I'm really frustrated because I'm like, I know that there's 15 players in this draft that I like, but the board just never seems to fall right. I don't want to take a tight end at 15. I don't necessarily like envision one of the like elite players sliding that far. And so what do the Packers do? Trading down is really appealing to me, but like you have to have a partner that wants to come up in order to do that. And if you're not going to get good value because people don't have the demand to move up to 15, then what's the point in sliding down and potentially missing out on your players? So it's tough. Um, I think, you know, if the Packers stick and pick, it's it's probably a tackle or an edge just because, you know, going back historically, Packers love premium positions. This is a class that's deep at those two positions. They're probably still going to get a really good value. Um, but in a perfect world, if somebody like Christian Gonzalez or Broderick Jones or, you know, somebody, you know, that I really love wasn't there, I would love for the Packers to slide down in the mid twenties and somebody actually pay a fair price for that. And they pick up another day two pick and then, you know, grab maybe Dalton Kincaid or um, Michael Mayer, or, even though those aren't my, top tight ends. I, I really see a lot of value there. 
Who is your top tight end, Darnell Washington? He is, which is really weird. Um, I, I totally get that. Um, I, I see him with a lot of receiving upside and, and I do like the block first tight ends a little bit better than uh, sort of the slot receiver tight ends. I am really low on Dalton Kincaid and I probably shouldn't be. Um, I I think, I think there's a lot of appeal there and I would not be upset if the Packers took him, whether that's at 15 or or moving down. Um, I just happened to not be as high in him because I didn't see quite as much juice as I would have expected. And, um, I know he's a really good like hands catcher, but he's also a little bit of older prospect too. Um, so yeah, I like Washington. I really like mayor. I think, I think we just have prospect fatigue at this point. It's, it's like people are sick of Will Anderson. So nobody wants to like, like they're coming up with every excuse not to pick him after the quarterbacks, right? Like we, we got to go Jalen Carter. We, Tyree Wilson is suddenly better than, than Will Anderson. I just don't see it. I think people are, they've been talking about him for a year, maybe two years and they just get bored with it. And I think it's the same thing with Michael Mayer. He was on the NFL draft radar as a true freshman at Notre Dame. People are sick of, of talking about him. He maybe doesn't have like a super elite trait, but he's just so good at everything. And I think he's one of the rare tight ends that could contribute as a rookie. And then there's a, a considerable upside going forward in the future. So interesting. I'm curious if you, so you kind of have to stay objective throughout this process, right? Like look at each individual prospect as their own unit. Like, do you find that you start to grade like in one way or the other, as you like chug along, like your early prospects get graded in like a certain range. And then as you're watching, you've come like harder on them because you've been watching so many prospects or like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like read your first book and you're like, Oh my God, that was so good. And then all of a sudden that's your benchmark for like the rest of the things that you read kind of thing. Or grading papers. Yes. First couple kids get like A's and then you're like, Oh, this is ridiculous. (laughs) I can't give everybody an A now I gotta you know give a couple B's. That that is totally a thing. And and like when you watch prospects over a span of time, it it like you, you have to factually like think about that. And also just the sheer quantity that I'm doing, I will admit there's day three players that I'll watch like a game and a half of and I'm like, okay, I understand. And then somebody somebody who I trust will be like, Oh, I really like this player. And that will cause me to go and make a note. And then when I'm done and like have a week off and can like refresh my brain, I'll go back and watch that player. And sometimes their, their grade changes and sometimes it doesn't. Um, I think, you know, normally I would sit down and go position by position. So I'd start with quarterbacks. I'd watch all the quarterbacks just so that I'm in the same frame of mind. And so I'm fair to each one this year. I will admit I watched the top 25 prospects. So this is another problem, right? Like I'm not a scouting department. I'm one person. So I have to get the information on who to watch from somewhere. So, you know, historically I've gone to people that I trust Maybe that's like a Daniel Jeremiah, um, puts out a top 150 list and, and I'd take a look at that. Um, more recently, it's been the draft network just because I've been connected with, with Joe Marino. I really respect the work that he does. So like taking a look that way. Um, and then, you know, if people mention, Hey, this is a, a prospect that you really want to go and watch. Um, maybe I would add them to the list, but yeah, this year I started out 
grading some different positions, which made it challenging when I went back and then started watching quarterbacks, having watched the first four, this is not a good quarterback class from depth perspective. And so (laughs) it's like when you watch the top guys first and then you get into the like, you know, uh, a quarterback that's going to be drafted in the sixth round, it's just like, ugh, like, <laughs> what, what are you doing? Like, you're not reading the field or, or they'll sky a throw 10 yards over the receiver. And it, it, it can get a little, you know, disappointing in that, but it, it's just important to, I think, like have a system in place where, you know, you're going to consistently grade the players on, on the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, there's positions I hate watching, I talk about this with, with Kyle, it's like interior offensive line is so boring. It is. <laughs> it, it's boring. But then when you see something really exciting, I think it, it, it captivates you. So like, I love Wisconsin's Joe Tipman. I think John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota is also like a super great interior line prospect. And, and like those guys just jumped out on the tape, but then you watch somebody else and you know, it's like, Oh, okay. Like I, you, you just got to work your way through it. It's all right. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I'm curious <laughs> who your top quarterback is. Because I think this is another discussion where people like talk themselves in circles. And like the obvious answer is kind of the correct answer. But I'd love to hear how they grade it out. Yeah, so Anthony Richardson is my top quarterback uh, by a decent amount. Um, and I actually have Will Levis at two Bryce Young, three, CJ Stroud, four. So I'm like way. (laughs) So you also have to understand that that's not their film grades. Uh, Richardson, especially super young, right? He's 20 years old right now. And he had an RAS score of 10 and he's getting the positional value boost. So he's going to be my second overall player. Seems ridiculous. But one of the things that, I really took to heart and you can overcorrect really easy when you're looking at draft prospects. But I think back to, you know, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold guys that just like, they were solid. They were really good college quarterbacks. They had uh, what, what people talked about as like the intangibles, the leadership skills. And then eventually you see players like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson who had all the traits who ended up, you know, becoming the elite prospects, guys that are on the MVP radar, leading their teams to, to really great things. And so that made me think, like, maybe I need to be looking at who has those elite traits first and foremost. Quarterback is the worst position in the world to rank. I think we really need to, like, tier quarterbacks. Just put them in a bucket. I think this year there's probably four. They're all pretty similar. And they're going to turn out, number one in order of who has the best work ethic, right? We're, we're getting this ad nauseum with the Jalen Hurts contract, right? Everybody's just talking about his leadership skills and how hard he works and stuff. And all of that is very true. Sometimes that overcomes everything. But also I would argue like Jalen Hurts has very elite traits. So yeah. um, 
that that's a factor too. And then um, a great thing that I heard from Jesse Palmer, who coaches quarterbacks, um, you know, in their lead up to the draft. And then also, you know, it's through, through their pro career, uh, Carson's brother. He, he always says that teams bust on quarterbacks way more often than quarterbacks bust on teams. There's exceptions, right? Jamarcus Russell, for instance, but often teams just don't surround their quarterbacks with the skills that they need in order to succeed. I would argue, you know, the Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers situation if Aaron Rodgers goes to San Francisco, does he turn into a Hall of Famer? Well, maybe. We don't know. But he instead, he came into a situation where he had years to develop. He had this great coaching staff that was there to support him and build him up. And then by the time he took over his starter, he had a really good receiving core. He had pretty solid offensive line. Um, Alex Smith never got those things. He was just kind of thrust into it in San Francisco. And his career turned out pretty good. I think if he doesn't have that knee injury in Washington, he probably ends up being a pretty serviceable quarterback. And, and you look back on his career as, as favorable. But when guys go into really bad situations, bad cultures, coaching staffs that are constantly changing, not having the right supporting cast, you're not going to win no matter how good you are. Yeah. A hundred percent. I absolutely think that like, I feel similarly to you about the quarterback position and grading them because I think it's not just about who you are and what your traits are and leadership and all that. It's about fit, right? Not every quarterback, like Lamar Jackson in a different scheme than the Ravens, which is this a hot button issue at the moment because he might be playing somewhere else. But I think like Lamar thrived because he was in a scheme and with a coach that fit the team around what he's Mm -hmm. so good at. Another coach might have tried to force him into a scheme that he's not necessarily going to be able to succeed in. Maybe he'd be really good, but would he be an MVP? I don't know. I think the Ravens positioned him to become as good as he is. And I totally agree with you that unfortunately some of these top guys are going to those teams who have bad culture fits and are going through the carousel of head coaches and GMs. And that's why they're picking so early in the draft, but you, it's just, it's kind of a crapshoot with these guys. And I think especially like a guy like Anthony Richardson, who easily has the highest ceiling if he goes to the right situation and with the right quarterbacks coach and gets molded properly. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it on this show, too, with, you know, Baker Mayfield having all of the different head coaches that he had. Josh Rosen not even getting a fair shake with the Cardinals before Kyler Murray's brought in. And then you're bounced around the league as a career backup on practice squads before you even, like, get a chance to be a starter. So there's a lot of prospects. You know, quarterback, I think, is the best example of it because it's, you know, these are guys that are drafted in the first or second round. And then they're immediately labeled the bust when they don't come out and look like you know, we, what we would expect a, a starting quarterback to look like, but any position you guys talked about it a little bit at the top of the show, as far as like the fit really matters. So you gave us some really good examples of players that you like, you know, their fit for the Packers. Is there anybody in maybe your top 30? And, you know, if you want to rate it by position or their value that you would just like, you know, you're just, please don't, please don't take for the Packers. Like you would be very upset if they are the pick. Yeah, that's uh, that. That's a tough question. I, I think, okay. So, I really like Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee. He scares me um, as somebody who has a little bit of stiffness in his game. I know he tested super well, 
Um, but there were some things on tape that made me a little hesitant with Darnell Wright. And as, as somebody, you know, who still has a little bit of, uh, you know, hurt feelings from Jason Spriggs, I want to stay away from that if possible. Um, now I know Spriggs deal was more a, a strength issue, but, um, you know, tackles who aren't like elite athletes make me, make me nervous and right tested like an elite athlete. I just don't necessarily know that I saw it on tape. Um, I think, you know, I really like Kalijah Kansi out of pit. He is going to be like a super polarizing prospect because he is small to the point where we haven't really seen a defensive lineman like him in the league, but he's so athletic that like in, in the right defense, if let's say you, you were cheering for a team that had a defensive coordinator who used a player to their strengths, right? This is a foreign concept to us as Packers fans. Um, but if if your defensive coordinator carved out a role and they said, okay, on second and long and third downs, we're going to put this guy in here. He's he's going to be a gap penetrator. And every you know four or five snaps, he's going to make a guard look silly because they have nothing to combat his quickness on the inside. I would love that. But if your defensive coordinator is going to ask your first round pick to hold up against the run, uh, you know, <laughs> sort of like uh, bench press the uh, guard and then let your linebackers flow to the play. Like Cansey is somebody you do not want on your team. And so um, he's risky. Brian Brzee is a scary prospect to me just because you don't know what you're going to get. Like, is this the super crazy five-star, you know, top overall recruit kind of guy that you get? Is he year one in Clemson or is he the guy that's just like hurt all the time and then like way underwhelming? I don't know. I don't really want to spend pick 15 on that. Um, Quentin Johnston is somebody I don't love as much as, as everybody else. And I wouldn't be upset if the Packers draft him, they draft him. I just think he's kind of the like he doesn't provide enough diversity to what the Packers have in the wide receiver room to get me really excited about that uh he may make me look foolish but sometimes people that aren't like natural separators at wide receiver can struggle in the league and so that one makes me a, a little nervous um outside of that I don't know that there's anybody that like scares me like I'd like somebody with more experience than Lucas Van Ness but I would have said the same thing probably about you know, Rashawn Gary, even though Rashawn Gary played a lot more than Van Ness, he didn't have the production. Um, so, you know, if the Packers want to do their thing and just draft like a crazy, stupid athlete, then Lucas Van Ness would be totally fine. I have been thinking, because I'm with you on the premium position thing. And I think Maggie and I have said here, if we were going to put money on anything on draft day, it would be that the Packers take an edge in the first round. And I think this is the perfect year for them to repeat what they did with Rashawn Right. They have their one and two. Granted, he's coming off ACL, so like unknown. But I think given what we know about him, he's going to attack rehab like he attacks everything else. And he's probably going to come back like a month earlier than everyone expected. And they have their two in Preston. So they have room to take just like a freaky athlete in the first round like that and kind of give him time to develop. And ideally, they extend Rashawn and he doesn't need to be a one he can be two or he, the Packers can just have two ones and they can give somebody time to develop. I think just uh, this is an Andy Herman adage and I wholeheartedly agree with it. Curious what you think, but just like first round is for taking freak athletes, 
like players who are going to completely like change your team, be playmakers, like do their thing kind of regardless of position. And I think the Packers really need that. Um, I, that's why I'm kind of, I love Michael Mayer. You mentioned him earlier, but I think tight end in the first round is too rich for me. And I just don't see the Packers doing something like that. Yeah. I think, I think that this was a better class overall. I think, you know, you'd be able to trade down from 15, collect a little bit more resources and you'd, you'd feel more comfortable taking a tight end in the twenties. Yeah. I, I, I think most people would. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, you know, Lucas Van Ness is interesting because when Rashawn comes back, so let's say, you know, we fast forward into week 12 of the regular season, the Packers could potentially be running Rashawn and Preston off the edge. And then your down linemen are like Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt and Van Ness can slide inside. And then you're, you're like really cooking with gas there. Um, so, so that part is fun. Um, <laughs> I, I miss the ball. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and so Van Ness gives you a little something that I think some of the other edge players don't necessarily do in the fact that there's a little bit more versatility there. Um, I guess the only other prospect I would like really want the Packers to stay away from is Brian branch. And that's not to say he's not going to turn out to be a really good pro, but like, he's a little bit more of a slot corner than he is a true safety. And I feel like the Packers just tried that and it hasn't worked out so well with Darnell Savage and maybe it does, but I'd rather take safeties a little bit later in the draft and get guys that are a little bit more solid to your point than like the freak athletes who are learning how to play the position. Cause that's something that that's, that's a role on the team that you're probably not going to be good at till you're three or four anyways. So let's not invest super high draft capital to just have you wait until you're ready to renew your contract to turn out to be any good. I love that. Okay. So we've already kept you for longer than we anticipated, but before we wrap we are just over one week away from the draft. Perry and I like to try this every year. So if you just would call your shot for us any round, you don't have to get the round right, but who are some prospects that you think are just ideal Packer fits for the Packers? So my uh, just wanting to watch the world burn <laughs> <laughs> prediction is uh, B. John Robinson at 15. No. It's not going to happen. I, I personally would love that. I think Bijan is like a generational kind of talent, but um, no, the Packers should not do that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I have changed who I think my, like the Packers are going to draft in the first round every day for the last week and a half. And I'm not even joking. I, I will consume content, whether that's pack a day or packs, what she said, or, or, you know, move the sticks or draft dudes. Well, it's not draft dudes anymore, but I, I will consume podcast content and then change my mind, right? Like I'll listen to you and be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that it's going to be player A. And then I'll listen to something else and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be player B. But I don't know uh, that I have a, a definitive prediction. I guess I would go with edge too. I think Lucas Van Ness might go to the Patriots and I think the Packers might take Miles Murphy. 
in in the first round. I just I, there's a lot of things that they should really like about him um, from a production standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint, point, from an age standpoint. Um, I think he he kind of fits into the mold of Van Ness isn't there. Um, later in the draft, I I mentioned I really like Joe Tipman, the center from Wisconsin. I would love that in the second round to kind of try to correct the. Uh, Josh Myers over Creed Humphrey decision. I really love this running back Israel Abinaconda from Pitt. And if the Packers could target him, maybe third round, maybe fourth round, he's got some crazy skills and the Packers need some insurance because it's pretty unlikely that in 2024, both Jones and Dylan are back. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot to like, I, Kyle fellows would, would tell me Rasheed rice in the third round, no matter what <laughs> uh, the receiver out of SMU, he's really fun. So um, then he's but, guaranteed to be a bust because it's a Packers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be the case. Maybe they can trade down and take him with the first pick in the fourth round or something Perfect uh, to make sure that he works out. It, there's, there's a lot of things that I think could happen. And this is really interesting. I think Andy talked about it on today's show. Um, how the Packers have so many needs that they're not going to be able to address them all in the draft. So I just made like three, four predictions and none of them were tight ends. And if the Packers come out of the first two days of the draft with a tight end, like, uh Oh, that that's a problem. But they also have all of these other needs. We want to see some offensive line depth. We want to see some edge depth. They need, they have needs at safety. So this is a imperfect roster right now. Um, and I, I, I think there's a lot of different ways that this could go. And this is a really weird first round. So I, I think it's going to be fascinating no matter what happens. Excited. Perry, yeah, anything else? I mean, I have lots of questions, but we'll <laughs> let, we'll let Andrew ask, get ask out of many here. Questions as you no. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a round two after the Packers actually draft. We can get, see yeah. where your guys fell compared. That'd be fun. That would be fun. So, Andrew, before we wrap up, obviously we want to give you an opportunity to promote any of the work you do. Um, if you're listening to this, obviously you can find Andrew's work on the Pack-A-Day podcast on the Friday episode. But you, anything else, Andrew, we can where to follow you on Twitter, where to find your work, um, if you want people to find you, that is. Yeah, uh, well, I'm at Andrew Mertig on Twitter. If you want to find me, I do the the Friday Pack-A-Day podcast with, with Maggie and Kyle. Uh, I don't really write anymore. Uh, I haven't had time for that in a few years, but um, hopefully soon that'll be coming back. I, I just, I wanted to say thank you to both of you for having me on. This is really cool. I love your show and uh, honored to be a guest. Thanks so much. Uh, We're so that, glad to have you. <laughs> yeah, this was a lot of fun. I agree with Perry. We'll definitely have to get you back um, after the draft to talk about all of the prospects that we loved that went to division rivals and all the prospects that we didn't like then that ended up in green and gold but that is all the time that we have for today's show you can follow the podcast on twitter at pwss podcast you can find perry on twitter at perry underscore gold scene you can find me on twitter at maggie j loney you can follow the podcast on other social media platforms at pax what she said we will be going live with odyssey at some point to talk about whoever the packers pick in the first round if they pick maybe they won't maybe we'll stay up all night and they won't pick um, you can find me and Andrew uh, doing a Thursday night live recording right after the first round ends. Um, that'll be released on Friday as well, but stay tuned because the draft is a week away and we're all ex excited about it. But as always, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.